in Seattle. Seattle. You need to buy yourself a home. We'll be right there for you. Because we're the realtors that you can trust. So go to ridingdancedown.com. Don't go anywhere unless you want to. It's the Ron and Don Show, starring Ron and Don, and sometimes me, at ronanddon.com. Hey, you guys, what's going on? Welcome to episode 594 now of the Ron and Don Show. And yeah, here's Charlie the Dog, and must mean we are, Ron, we're back in the Les Schwab studios. What is up, Ron and Don Nation? Hey, coming up on the Ron and Don Show, is it possible after 15 years that the Thunder in Oklahoma City are about to become, well, the Sonics of Seattle again. Wait till you hear this story. Also, a real estate agent. You're not going to believe what he was fined for walking in a house and one of his clients opening up the refrigerator door, and you're not going to believe what he was caught doing. Before we get to that, though, let's get to this. I just had some friends that were visiting from New Orleans, and they are beer drinkers, which is kind of interesting as people now have gotten their 50s and 60s, some of my friends. Uh, a lot of them are no longer beer drinkers. A lot of them either don't drink or maybe they'll sip on some wine once in a while. Uh, but for a lot of them, it's... Uh, it's, it's it's, it's, it's the seltzer beers, uh, if you can even call that a beer, but seltzer water with a little alcohol in it that people are drinking now, right? And it is really, I, I, I was in the store the other day because I knew that they were coming, and Ron, I went to buy some beer for them, and I was stunned because almost all the Coors Light was gone, almost all the Modelo was gone, which is now the number one selling beer, we'll get to that in a moment, uh, in America. And then the Bud Light case, it was, I took a picture of it. It was just packed with Bud Light. So I became very curious of this. And as I went into 7-Elevens now and I went into the QFC the other day, I started looking around and I thought, wow, this Bud Light thing, people canceling Bud Light is true. I saw it at the 7-Eleven. I saw it at the QFC. I saw it at the Met Market. And I also saw it at Safeway. That while, while the coolers, and even at Ken's Market of the Street, while the cooler space for the Coors Light and the Modelo was dwindling in even Miller Light, uh, the Bud Light was just sitting here. Here's what's interesting to me about this, though, because my friends were coming, and they're like, yeah, we're not Bud Light drinkers either. They're from uh, the South. And so I said, what beer would you like? And they said, we're Coors Light people now, which they've never been before. And as a result of that, Bud Light sales over all this year are down 29%. Anheuser-Busch has now said that they are selling eight, cra- eight of their craft beers, including Red Hook Brewery. So they're, they're, they're selling those off. Here's what people don't understand, because what they have done now is they have made Bud Light the number one selling beer, not in America, but it's still one of the number one selling beers uh, around the world. And in fact, their overall stock price is up. What's interesting is Bud Light, which now the number one beer in, in the United States is Modelo, uh, the reason being that as Hispanic men specifically have gotten older, uh, they have had an incredible impact on the beer market. So instead of buying Bud Light, they continue to buy Modelo. And then you have seen a lot of white, older-aged men decide, yeah, we're not drinking that Bud Light anymore. Uh, we are drinking Coors Light or we're drinking Modelo. Modelo now the number one beer in America, 
Modelo now one of the number one beers around the world. Did you know that Anheuser-Busch owns Modelo and they one of the reasons why their stock is booming is because they're taking in all those dollars from places like France and London and Mexico and Canada because they have the right to Modelo and all those beers. So even though they shot themselves in the foot a little bit in the United States, overall, the beer business for Anheuser-Busch, it seems to be doing rather well. I I think sometimes when people decide to jump in and they're going to cancel something, they should do a little more research and understand all you've really done here is you've helped Anheuser-Busch. How about that? uh, I am really trying hard to like, like that doesn't surprise me with the way the conglomerates work and the micro beers work, especially in Seattle. I think I, I am no expert in beer. I'm not a beer drinker. I'm more of a spirits drinker. Uh, so like I really have never liked beer, but in understanding how conglomerates work and, and buying micro brands and Seattle has always been on the cutting edge of the micro brew movement. So it makes sense to me that as far as shelf space and sales that go in Seattle, that it's going to lean away from the mega brands. But, and even as you said, you know, brands that just gobble up other brands uh, and you, you look at all these trends, even with, you know, uh, spirits getting gobbled up and George Clooney's brand and, you know, Ryan Reynolds brand and all these uh, brands get bought up. The, the thing that I, I'm struggling with, and I'm wondering if you have any insight into it, I do not understand legitimately, and I'm not trying to poke a bear here, how people have the energy and bandwidth for culture wars. Like, I just, I don't understand how it impacts you, why it's such a big deal. It, 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 when people get just lathered up over something like, when you, when you think about this storyline in particular, you have a brand that is trying to make money. I'm talking about Bud Light. They're saying, hey, the um, gay pride month is coming up, which I believe was June. And they said, we would like to sell beer to gay people. We're going to sell beer to straight people. We're going to sell beer to gay people. And so they said, for the month of June, what's a promotion we could do to sell more beer? And so someone in the marketing team said, why don't we get an LGBTQ influencer, pay them an endorsement fee in the same way we would pay anyone else an endorsement fee? Like if we're trying to sell beer during football season, let's get a football player pay them some money to drink our beer, sell, sell a beer to football fans during baseball season. Let's get a baseball guy, sell, pay him a lot of money, uh, soccer, whatever. So for pride month, let's get someone affiliated with that group of people, pay him some money. We're going to sell some beer to pride people. And so somehow that turns into this thing of that you've somehow betrayed people or this is some sort of unforgivable sin. How dare you try to sell more beer to a specific group? Cause that's, that's the, that's the model of any alcohol company. Basically of any company is like, we are going to, if you're Nike, we want to sell more shoes and athletic apparel. Let's pay endorsers. You're a watch brand. I'm going to go out and hire Brad Pitt or Charlize Theron to wear my watch in the hopes that someone that's a fan sees them and will buy the product. I don't understand how people have the energy to go, 
Okay, now I'm a you. You. This is the last straw. How dare you sell the same beer that I drink to a gay person or a trans person? Do you, I mean, do you understand it? Because like, I really that is just not in my DNA. I do. I do. This. This is what I understand. I woke up this morning and I have some friends that live in Maui, and Maui is burning right now as we are covering this story. And so I looked online, I read some stories, people are jumping in the ocean as we speak, uh, 911, those centers are down, I'm looking at tape of people driving through West Maui that are bumper to bumper, there's fires on both sides of the road, and it's apocalyptic, it really is. And I said, you know who will have this covered is, is CNN will have this covered. And so I drank my morning coffee, and I usually don't turn on the news in the morning, but but before we do our podcast, I like to turn it on just to see if there's any late breaking things that that maybe we want to cover. And and we're recording here <clears throat> on a Thursday, and so I turned on CNN, and all it was was CNN just hammering on Donald Trump, just hammering, just hammering, because he said something last night, and so they're on it. And then so then I went over to Fox, and Fox is hammering Joe Biden. <laughs> And then I went over to MSNBC and they're hammering Trump as well. So all three news stations, I said, you know what? I'm going to take a respite. I'm going to come back to this in 30 minutes. I had some work to do. I drank a cup of coffee. I turned it back on. There was nothing about what I cared about, which are some of my friends that live in Maui, have property in Maui. Uh, I love Maui. I would like to live in Maui someday. And, and, And a lot of times when I see these things happening around the world and I see people in peril, I want to jump in and help. Like I'm looking, I'm looking for, and, and, and we did this with cause radio for years. Uh, when, when we've been on the uh, radio stations from, from Dallas to San Francisco to, to Seattle, we've, we've all new Orleans, we've grand rat. We've always done cause radio Phoenix, wherever we've been. And, 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 and so really these places that we tune into to get the news, what we're really doing, because because all of them were dripping, dripping with opinion. All of them were dripping with emotion, right? CNN right now is because because they fired their program guy and they're they're and they fired a bunch of people like Chris Cuomo, Don Lemon, and they're trying to reset and they're trying to get back to doing some of the headlines and the news. But that doesn't. No one's interested in that. It just if you give people the straight news without emotion and without opinion, people aren't interested in it. They 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 don't watch that. They don't consume that. And now, do you know the number one videos on TikTok are of people taking someone like the Joe Rogan experience who has 11 million followers that listen to him every day. So I think it's the seventh biggest podcast in the world. What they will do is then take something that he is saying about Donald Trump. They'll row that video because they know people will watch it because it's Joe Rogan. And then they all of a sudden, and you don't even know who the F they are. Uh, and then they, they jump online and it's usually very political. It's usually very, really slanted. And then they start attacking. And, and that's the thing that people are consuming. They are consuming attacks on other human beings. And when you, when you, when you look at our political leaders right now, uh, they are doing the same thing to each other. You have Chris Christie telling Donald Trump yesterday how fat he is. And then Donald Trump turning around and calling Chris Christie a, a fat pig and going back and forth. The, 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 these are two men that want to be the leaders of the free world. 
And guess what? We're dumb enough. And in some ways, I'm dumb enough to consume all that. It's one thing to consume it. It's another thing for that to become your opinion and your point of reference. And people don't do their own work anymore. It's so easy to copy and paste something. It's so easy to look at a meme and, 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 and post that and put that out there. But, but, it, but it's pretty unusual when you sit down. And I read a piece last night, uh, and it was a letter that a friend of mine who is a Seattle police officer, after 23 years, and you and I met her during Beds for Kids, we provided 25 or close to 2,500 beds for through kids throughout the metro area. It started with two SPD officers that walked in a house one night and saw that two kids didn't have a bed during a domestic. And they bought beds, and then they turned to us and they said, we can't afford this. And so we built out this program called Beds for Kids that we did with SPD. We did it downtown at their headquarters. You would drive in, no questions asked, and we would load up beds, and, and you would leave. And, and here we are, I thought, doing something important in the community. She was asked in leaving SPD if she would uh, write an exit letter and she would, or, or, or fill out an exit form and why are you leaving and all. Instead, she wrote 15 pages to Chief Diaz. And I read this letter this morning, and actually I read it last night, I read it again this morning. And I thought this letter would be something that everyone in Seattle would be talking about because she explains beautifully what has happened within the police department, what is happening on our streets, and what is going to happen if something isn't done, and then she suggests what we should do. It's 15 pages. Guess what? 15 pages. No one's going to read 15 pages. No one read the three pages. I didn't see it on the news anywhere today. It's not on social media. People aren't talking about it. And yet she sat down. She did her work. She wrote 15 pages. But it's not in a bite-sized chunk. And it's not going after Joe Biden or Donald Trump. And so, therefore, there is no interest at all, right? So I think when we look at that, we have to look at ourselves. I have to look at myself and say, what am I consuming? How is it influencing me and my life, my family, my friends? And what am I going to do moving forward? That's when you that's that's when I just say to myself, "F it, I'm turning on some Leonard Skinner and going to the gym." We will see you on the other side of this. Hey, you guys, what's going on? It's Don. Now listen to me. I had a neighbor walk up the street and say to me the other day, "Hey, we're interested in having you sell our home." but it seems like this is a bad time to sell a home and we need the money from our home to leave Queen Anne, Washington and we're going to Mexico and we're taking our dog that we found in Mexico, Poncho, we're taking him back home and that's where we're going to live from now on. What's crazy is the gentleman that owns that house used to own the house that I'm sitting in. They sold me this house, right? Anyway, I had some good news for them and I had to tell them, hey, It's the summer months. You want to sell in the fall. The market is actually very good right now for sellers. But your home must be dialed in. And, Ron, you must do your work in this marketplace right now. And if you do, sellers, you will be rewarded, right? Yeah, and it all starts with a Ron and Don sit down. No obligation. It's free of charge. It's on Zoom. It's about half an hour. Email me directly, ron at ronanddon.com, or go to the website, ronanddonsitdown.com. 
All right, you guys, welcome back uh, to the Ron and Don Show. And you know that we're realtors. Ron's our managing broker. And if you need us, in fact, Ron, we're sitting down with a couple people this week. It's called a Ron and Don sit down, right? Yeah, it's about 30 minutes uh, Zoom call. And uh, interesting, we have uh, one woman who lives in Texas, uh, heard about Ron and Don, because why wouldn't she? It's like, I'm moving to Seattle. Who can I trust that's going to help me find housing in Seattle? So that's the great part about the Zoom call. We can meet with her from Texas. Uh, we can talk about her game plan, get that all sorted. We, we are the, as far as I know, one of the largest regional realtors uh, here in Seattle because uh, we have this podcast and this radio show that reached out from basically Canada down to Oregon and everywhere in between. And we are licensed to do business in Washington. So if, if if you've been thinking about buying or selling uh, or even investing, give us a call. We have an investment deal pending right now uh, for some folks that it's going to be, I, I think, a grand slam home run uh, investment deal. And we took all of my expertise, all of your expertise, uh, combined that together. And I'm super stoked for this family that um, this is, <laughs> I wish I'm jealous of this deal. I wish I was buying this I'm deal. Gonna, make sure you listen this Friday. And in fact, let's see. Let's see. This Friday, it's episode 597, and I'm going to tell you how I negotiated this deal. And I negotiated close to $100,000 less than what the folks were asking. And I'm not going to get very specific here about where the deal is and who the people are because we're still... We, we still haven't closed this deal, but I do want to talk a little bit about the process of that negotiation and why you never split the difference. So if you're a realtor, you're in business, you're a parent, and your kid wants to split the difference with you, never split the difference. And I'll tell you why uh, coming up on this Friday's show. Uh, Ron and I, when we work for one of the big brokerage houses here, the thing that was stunning to me is once a month or once a quarter, uh, we would have these big, big meetings in person. And then later on when COVID happened, we would have these big meetings on Zoom. And, <sighs> and it was interesting because the president of the brokerage house where we worked he still used this old uh, uh, big screen projector. And every once in a while, he would put up on the projector, on the screen, the things that realtors would be fine for. And it was kind of a warning shot to everybody that was in that room that, hey, if you're thinking about going into someone's home and engaging in fill in the blank, watch out. Because people get caught. And you know the way that people get caught? And in fact, I always tell our clients before we go and look in a house, be careful what you say in the house. Be careful what you say when you're around the house. Because a lot of people here in Seattle are in tech. A lot of people here in Seattle, if they're selling a home and they live in another state. Uh, and in fact, we had one of our clients who had cameras and listening devices set up in the house. And we told him, we said, hey, we think you need to take those listening devices, those cameras out. Uh, and it was his decision whether he wanted to do that or not, because it's not necessarily illegal. It's what you do with that video and whatever it is that you tape. That can become illegal. But just having those devices. And we said, you know, I, I, I think if a realtor walks in, feels like we're watching and listening to them. I don't know that they're, they're going to interact very well with, with the property. So we, so we had that discussion. Anyway, I was always amazed at some of the dumb things that realtors do 
when they walk into other people's homes. Because think about this, and I don't know, well, can, can you kind of explain the blue box and kind of the access that realtors have to a lot of cool homes throughout Seattle, Tacoma, Everett, and, and, and Fremont if people have never saw, sold or, or bought a home? Because the technology is actually very cool, but it gives a lot of realtors out there access to a lot of homes that maybe normally they wouldn't have access to. Well, this is all a reaction to back in the day before the internet, uh, before we had cell phones that were ubiquitous. There were agents that would, um, let's just say it was late on a Friday night and there was a $3 million penthouse apartment in a high rise that was vacant and staged. They might try to impress a date, let's say, and go and tour that house because you had just a, it was like a combination lock, uh, where you could get the key. And so if you were a member of the MLS, you would have access to these key boxes. Uh, you could get the key and then some things may or may not be happening up on the penthouse floor late at night on a Friday or and Saturday. No one would ever know if you went in or out. Yeah, no, we never know because it yeah. was just a combination lock. So then when cell phones came along, you had GPS, uh, a company called Supra invented this box. It's, it's a key box, but it's Bluetooth enabled and it has, uh, everything is time stamped. And so now what you have to do is take out your cell phone, uh, use the Bluetooth functionality to, um, open this box and immediately when you open it, it sends a cell signal or somehow it has, it has transmission capabilities back to HQ and it lets you mean, so like if, if Don and I have a listing, when our key box is opened by somebody uh, in the MLS, it lets you know. And then we, you can program it to say that this box can only be open from 8 a.m. to 7 p.m. Or, or whatever. You can set the schedule so no one can go in there at 11 p.m. at night. Uh, they can't get the, the box open. And so now there's a record of when someone goes in and out. And it says this, it would say, Don O'Neill opened this box at 9.32 a.m and then he left at, at 10.32 a.m. or whatever it was. It'll show up on this log. And my, my favorite one, uh, I know we're going to get to this this guy that's got a huge find, but my favorite one in Seattle was there was a house on Queen Anne overlooking the Puget Sound into downtown. Beautiful manicured deck, multi-multi-million dollar house. I think it was about a $4 million house. And an agent decided on a Sunday that he was going to book out reserve 90 minutes in the middle of a busy Sunday. And he brought, uh, there was a ring camera on the door. He reserved this time, 90 minutes for a showing. And then he brought his girlfriend and their dog in a picnic basket <laughs> to this house, used his key with the Bluetooth to open the door. Uh, then he locked it so no one else could come in. They proceeded to go out on this expansive deck overlooking the Puget Sound in the downtown Seattle and have it. He opened up the picnic basket, brought out a blanket. They sat down on the manicured lawn, had a picnic, uh, for an hour and a half and then left. And the owners saw this footage on their ring cam and they're like, this isn't a showing. This guy is using our house <laughs> right. for a date. And so they reported it. I went into uh, a, a, a disciplinary action. The agent had the gall to tell the review board, I was thinking about buying this house. Right. And, and they said, really? You were going to buy a $4 million house? And he's like, yep. I was thinking about buying the house and just wanted to see what I wanted to test drive it. With my dog and my girlfriend have a picnic, they said we, they looked up his stats. They're like, 
we don't believe you that you can afford a $4 million house. And I believe they fined him $2,500. Yeah. Uh, and I don't know if they took away his license, but he was fined quite a bit for abusing the, the access privileges that you have. Yeah. And, it, and your name and your license is posted. So like other realtors know that. So I felt really bad for, I don't know if I felt, yeah, I think I felt bad. There's, there, there was a realtor, a female realtor that went in and it seems like this happens once every quarter with different realtors and she had had relations in a house and then it was kind of public information and she was married and, and she wasn't having relations with evidently her partner. She's having relations with someone else. The fine on that didn't lose the license. The fine on that was five grand. Fast forward to this story, guys in a house <laughs> decides he's thirsty. And I don't know about you, when I'm thirsty, I never really want to reach for a glass of milk. I don't. Uh, back in the day, I might reach for a beer. Uh, now I just kind of reach for water or you and I, are we drink some uh, seltzer waters or some LaCroix's. Some bubblies. I, I drink those all day, so I'm very hydrated. Uh, my son does too. We don't drink cokes. We don't. Do, we just. We just kind of drink regular water or fizzy water. Uh, so he he went into the fridge and he did something that I used to do, like when I was 14 and I came home from football practice. You pull the gallon of milk out, you take the top off, and then you just take the biggest swig that you can take of milk, you put the cap back on, and then you return it to the, to the refrigerator. This was caught on camera, and I was blown away that if you have a picnic, that's $2,500. If you have sexual relations with someone, right, that's $5,000. A sip of milk was $15,000. That seems outrageous to me. I think what I would do if I was the client is just say, hey, man, you keep the gallon of milk, and why don't you take 1% off that commission that I have to pay you, right? Well, those people, they didn't end up buying the house. I think the other reason why it was so long is the guy came in a half an hour early, posted up in the living room, just plopped himself down on the couch. His client wasn't there, and, and he sort of just made himself at home. I, I get the logic of if you're going to do this, he probably didn't want to get the glass dirty, so it's, but <laughs> drinking it out of the deal. I, I'll make one confession here. I had, a, I went and showed a house one time and then I really had to go to the bathroom. Like it was one of those things where it's like, I got to go and I got to go in the next two minutes or we're going to have some issues. Yeah. And so I don't know if I ate something or something wasn't sitting with me. I went back into the house, which I knew that it was going to show up twice on the thing. I went back in the house, had to use the bathroom. I used the bathroom, uh, closed it back up. And like, that's, it, it's not a finable offense, but I felt badly that it was like, I wanted to be able to get back to a, a public restroom and it just wasn't going to happen. And so I would think that there would be some a grace period on that. But, uh, this guy just kind of making himself at home in the house, drinking the milk. I, I agree with you. It seems steep. Um, and I don't know if he had a history of, of doing violations, but 15 grand was a very steep. Well, and the warning on that usually, usually, and we'll just talk about it real quick. When it, when it comes to staging, taking your things out of the house, you just should, you're going to get more for your house. People want to stage with their own furniture. You're not, you're going to get 17% less. If you use your own furniture, or no furniture, at least in the Seattle market. So make sure you stage, you take good pictures. And then you don't have that stuff in the refrigerator. None of your personal effects are there. If, if, if you are going to have, 
you know, people come through your house while your personal effects are there and you're selling your house, think about this. They can go online and they can get a map of your house on the listing because most houses have maps. Maybe there's a Matterport where they can walk through your house. They can walk into your bedroom. They can walk into your closet. And then what they will do, if they're not a realtor, is they'll show up at your open house with maybe two or three people. And this has happened here in Seattle. Uh, and one person will start speaking with the realtor, expressing interest, tie them up, while the other two people kind of walk around the house, start going through drawers, and the next thing you know, grandma's ring is gone. So make sure if you're going to sell a house with your stuff in it that the good stuff is put away. We will see you on the other side of this. Hey, it's Ron here with Mitch Weeks. You hear him on the show from Mitch.loans. And Mitch, you have a cool program out right now because interest rates are higher than they've been for quite a while, but you have a, a solution possibly for buyers. We do. Rates are high, but they're expected to go down. And that's why we came up with this program. It's the Rate Replace Program. So you can buy at current rates. And then when rates drop within the next year or so, you actually get to replace that rate and the fees are on us. So you can refinance that loan into a new loan and we will cover the lender fees for you. So that's the rate and replace program. Replace that rate. Very cool. So that's a, a really a good incentive for buyers. Uh, you can buy now with the security of knowing that Mitch at Mitch.loans will replace that rate. Check him out right now online at Mitch.loans. That's Mitch.loans. All right, you guys, welcome back to the Ron and Don Show. As I said, I just had some friends here in town, and they went to what they thought was the old Coliseum where the old Sonics used to play. And they were blown away by that arena. Uh, and they travel a lot. They go to a lot of arenas and say, wow, this is one of the nicest arenas in the, in the country. Uh, and then they asked, when are you guys going to get the Sonics back? I read a story last week that was very interesting. See if this sounds familiar. 15 years later. Oklahoma City, uh, they have, and, and, and if you remember, going all the way back to Katrina, which would be like 17 years ago. When the Hornets were in New Orleans, they needed somewhere to go. And Oklahoma City had already built the facility 17 years. So this has been 20 years ago. They built this facility because they were trying to attract an NBA team. And they and so the Hornets came there and they said, hey, free office space. Uh, Get there temporarily. Because you can the- use the facility for free. We'll give you a cut of the gate. Just Oklahoma City, at that point, were trying to take the Hornets. And the NBA looked at that and they said that wouldn't be a good look. Uh, and the NFL did the same thing because San Antonio was trying to take the Saints. They were like, "Yeah, we we can't take the Hornets and the Saints, and we can't move them out of New Orleans. That is just that doesn't look good for these professional franchises. It looks like we turn our back on New Orleans when we 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 just can't do that. That'll be a nightmare." And so the owners just voted it down. And so Oklahoma City was still looking. You remember Clay Bennett came here. Uh, and then they bought the Sonics and he said, Hey, I'm going to try to shop the team. And he shopped the team and he knew in shopping the team that there wasn't going to be anybody, uh, that was going to step up and, and, and write a check and build that stadium or that arena or fix the arena that's here until it's too late. And he was told what's really interesting at the time 
that the, that the Coliseum couldn't be fixed because it was a historical building. You couldn't go any higher. We can't go any lower. This isn't going to work. And think about this. We'd already done, when, when the Sonics decided that the Coliseum or, or our old version of the Coliseum was no longer good enough, our building was only, it had just been redone. It was only eight years old at that point. And so the city looked at that and a lot of us looked at that and said, we're going to do this again. No, thanks. And so you have this new building, newer building that was down in Oklahoma city. Guess what? Fast forward. Cause the Sonics moved 15 years ago. That building was moved, was built 20 years ago. That building is no longer new. As a result of that, the Oklahoma city thunder now are saying that they need a new arena and they want public money to do it. Well, guess what the public is saying down there and politicians are saying, we'll give you, we'll, we'll chip in a hundred million dollars. Well, hundred million dollars doesn't buy you a new arena anymore. You have to be at least a billion to a billion two to a billion seven, right? Think about what sports franchises are worth today. The Dallas Cowboys are worth $9 billion. Yeah. The Golden State Warriors are worth 7 to $8 billion. And so these teams that are worth all this money, that have these huge TV contracts, that have to pay a lot of money to their players and now even these coaches, right? So the expenses are immense. They have to make sure that people are going to come to that venue and that they're going to make money on parking, that they're going to make money on food, that they're going to make money on alcohol, and that they're going to make money on, and think about this, why were my friends here? They weren't going to see the Kraken. They were going to see Joan Jett, right? And the Kraken benefit from that here in Seattle uh, with a deal that they signed here with the city. And so in Oklahoma City right now... <laughs> They are having the same problem that we had 15 years ago. So some people are saying, maybe we should try to get the Oklahoma City Thunder back here in Seattle, or should we just stay focused on, because the NBA, they say, is about to expand, and I think we'll see them expand in Las Vegas, because look at the success of the hockey team. Look at what they're about to tear down there, what they're tearing down to build for the Oakland A's and they already have the Oakland Raiders. They are tearing apart the Tropicana, right? It's on 27 acres. They're going to give nine acres of that to the Oakland A's. And then the rest of that is just going to be gambling. And so you're going to see an expansion franchise franchise in Las Vegas. You just are. And they say the other expansion franchise should be here in Seattle. We've been hearing that for a while, Ron. You focus on expansion and not getting bitter, or do you get bitter and mad and go after the thunder? I think expansion is the, the the quicker route and the more reliable route right now. Um, I, I and this sort of comes out. Of, this is a huge speculation to think that um, they're for sale in Oklahoma City. They're not for sale. The the scenario you laid out is the scenario, but there's a lot of horse trading and politicking that's going to go on behind the scenes. That's it's what, oil country, man. It's that's all what, horse trading. Right. That's, yeah. what, that's what you're going to say publicly uh, to do this whole deal. I, I will say this, though. The way Seattle got robbed uh, with the Supersonics changed the culture of the NBA. And Sacramento. Because Let's, if you remember, after that... Milwaukee was on shaky footing yeah. and, and Seattle tried to go hard after Milwaukee and they went, no, 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 we're not doing that anymore. And they tried to do the same like, thing with Sacramento. It's yeah. like, wait a minute. You yeah. just did that to us. Why can't we turn around and do it? And they said, it basically, without saying it, they're like, yeah, we did you dirty. We're not going to do that anymore. And so there's a, a sea change in the NBA uh, as long as all the revenue stays the same, et cetera, to, to not 
just move teams around willy nilly anymore, which I think is a good trend because if we do get the expansion team back here, which I think that we will, um, then you're less likely to see that go away because, you know, even these Canadian teams and all this stuff, I think professional sports is moving away from that model and going to a model because of the valuations you talked about of ownership, the ownership group for the crack and figured out a way to just do it. They, they were not like we're passing a new bond. We're going to increase everyone's property taxes. They said, this is such a valuable commodity. We're going to figure out a way to do climate change. Yeah. Yeah. And you have to remember the Liwicky brothers and Todd Liwicky specifically. He's the one every, everyone wants to say it was Paul Allen. It was Paul Allen's money, but it was Liwicky that got the stadium built. It was Liwicky. It's the reason why the stadium looks this way the stadium looks. He is the one that went back and re, revi, uh, reinvented the 12th man, the racing of the flag, all that stuff. He's also the one that brought the Sounders here because him and his brother were involved in creating the Galaxy uh, down in Los Angeles. And he also was a minority owner in the Lightning. That's why he ended up leaving. Then he went to the NFL front office. Then he came back to Seattle. Not only is he now one of the owners of the Kraken, but they they also have a proposal to go in and fix Memorial Stadium, and, uh, probably at a loss for them. And they say, why do you want to do this? Because he said, it's the right thing to do because we love this city. This need to be re- revitalized. And when kids are playing under Friday night lights, it shouldn't smell like urine. Because if you've been to that uh, stadium lately, it just it just smells, oh. It, it is, it's horrible. It's horrific. And so finding someone like, like the Liwickies that love this city, loves this city just as much as you and I do, and they're finding a way to make that work uh, is a really cool, beautiful thing, you guys. So speaking of cool and beautiful, having a run and done sit down, that's cool and beautiful, right? Yeah. If you are thinking, I want to jump in this real estate game, you guys uh, seem to know what you're talking about. Let's do a sit down. It's a 30 minute Zoom call get on the same page, see if we make a good team and uh, get you one step closer to your dreams. Yeah. Run it on sitdown.com. We'll sit down virtually. And then uh, when you're ready to go, like I, we had a sit down the other day with my friend, Rachel, and I'm heading out with some contractors to see your house tomorrow at one o'clock. And uh, we're going to put together a plan and bring that house to market and get that sold. So if you need us, run it on sitdown.com. And we sell everywhere, you guys, because like Ron said before, the reach of this podcast and the reach of our social media, and this, uh, we have uh, the biggest social media following in, in, in Washington State as far as realtors go. So, okay, Ron and Don, sit down.com. Head up, shoulders back. We'll see you next time. You're listening to the Ron and Don Show only on the Ron and Don Radio Network. Now keep your head up and your shoulders back and keep blowing that trumpet and we'll see you next time. Only! 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 On the Ron Don Radio Network.